hockey. This is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, everybody, welcome back to our second of two all-new Wednesday editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Rowan. Noah's still here. Yo. We've got a uh, little bit of change to our guest lineup today. Instead of hearing economist Jim Nels, we're going to be having Alex Brusewich join us in just a bit. But if you're a longtime listener, welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to America's fastest-growing political podcast. If you are hearing us now, just hit pause. We'll see you in a bit. Jump back to our first episode of the show today where we talked about the failed Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment and the bipartisan border bill, which is currently on life support. We were joined by Congressman Corey Mills and Tim Burchett. In addition to that, we're going to be sitting down with, after going to the bullpen, Alex Brusowitz, the CEO of X Strategies, and country recording star and political commentator Alexis Wilkins in this edition of the podcast. We're going to get started here talking about the appellate court ruling, which came out yesterday. No, I know you saw this where... They're trying to timestamp presidential immunity. Donald Trump had presidential immunity on January 6th. There's no debate over that. Yeah. But now the courts are starting to use the narrative that once an insurrectionist, always an insurrectionist, which should be alarming to everybody. And now we're trying to say that cases that are brought before him now, even though they're dated back to January 6th, because Donald Trump is no longer the president and is now citizen Trump, he can be charged as citizen Trump with insurrection from January 6th because we're saying we're charging him with it today. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, are they traveling back in time because he still hasn't been charged with insurrection at all? He hasn't been convicted of anything either, which I think is equally funny when you talk about this narrative. But CBS News was quick to lick their chops and froth at the mouths when the announcement came out from the appellate court yesterday. Let's jump into the news. The president has had kind of loss after loss. You know, he lost the Eugene Carroll case. He's lost this case. We, we learned earlier this week that, uh, you know, $50 million of donated money has been spent on his defenses. And as you point out, Scott, this case is no, I mean, we haven't even started really with this case yet. Uh, you know, I expect an email is going to be going out. Fundraiser. If it hasn't already, appealing uh, to donors for more support. Um, you know, can we expect, though this seems like a really clear loss, but can we expect the former president to be using this as part of his campaign, as he has with every other case? It passes prologue, absolutely. Not only is it a fundraising tool, it's proven to be a very effective fundraising tool. But here's the bottom line. I don't think people have a proper appreciation for the size and scope of what this trial would be, the spectacle it would be. Unlike those cases in New York, those civil cases, he can't come and go as he pleases. He's a criminal defendant. He would have to be here in the court every day mm. for weeks at a time. That in itself is a spectacle. What's more, this case, this case with tethers to January 6th and efforts to overturn the election, is the case with which Americans are most familiar. This is not an obscure classified records case or doesn't involve hush money or civil law. This involves January 6th and the efforts to subvert an election, things uh -oh. people watched on live television. Mm -hmm. It has the potential for jaw-dropping, visceral moments. And it's going to play out over the course of weeks, not days. It's going to shutter much of the nation's capital for security reasons. It's going to be 
a true spectacle. And this appeals court ruling sets the table for it, you know, actually happening before the election, which was in question during these appeals. Fuck you. I hate you. I don't know how you can't say that about the entirety of the, the progressive left. Me, It's like an alternative reality they're living in, Noah. Don't you agree? It's 100% an alternative reality. They're living in this fantasy world where up is down, left is right, right is left, 2 plus 2 is 5, everything. It's, it's insane. I thought 2 plus 2 was racist. No, not if it's 5. <laughs> if it's 5, it's fine. If it's four, it's racist, because that's the correct answer. How dare you? Donald Trump issued a statement yeah. yesterday via the campaign. It came out from Stephen Chong uh, shortly after the ruling. I'm going to read it right now. If immunity is granted to a president, every future president who leaves office will be immediately indicted from by the opposing party. Without complete immunity, the president of the United States would ha- not be able to perform his jobs functionally. Deranged Jack Smith's prosecution of President Trump for his presidential official acts is unconstitutional under the Doctrine of Presidential Immunity and Separations of Powers Act. Prosecuting a president for official acts violates the Constitution and threatens the bedrock of our republic. President Trump respectfully disagrees with the D.C. Circuit's decision and will appeal it in order to safeguard the presidency and the Constitution. And that's from Stephen Chong, Trump campaign spokesman and advisor. Seems pretty slam dunk right there when you talk about what's going on in regards to this ruling. I did see yesterday within one of the committees... San Diego Congressman, House Representative Daryl Issa, was kind of, I don't know, musing on this. And, and when you talk about stuff that happened during the Obama administration, where inadvertently U.S. citizens were killed by drone strikes that were approved by Barack Obama, all of the stuff that's going on with Joe Biden right now in regards to, you know, the Biden crime family and him being crooked Joe, families who lost sons and daughters during the Iraq war, and the now debunked premise of weapons of mass destruction, which led to that. And if you want to just break it down to the bare bones, sexual improprieties and money laundering, which occurred during and after the Clinton era. So Daryl Issa was kind of saying, like, the boomerang's going to come back around. It's going to come back around pretty hard. I thought it was a good clip from the California congressman. Let's hear it. Yeah, the people of your party here, uh, have used the word practically nonstop for the last three years about the actions of, of people who, uh, who uh, in a disorganized but, but terrible way did something, but they've raised it to the word Insurrection Act. Um, I would hope that that kind of, uh, that you would denounce that just as much as an excess. It is not the Civil War. It is not troops uh, trying to succeed from the Union. Um, I want to hit one more thing, uh, since you, uh, it wasn't the subject du jour, but you made it uh, part of it today. Uh, in your time as ambassador during the Obama administration, uh, you probably wouldn't have been as thrilled when the ACLU said that the, uh, uh, they questioned the killing of Alawaki uh, in Yemen. A 16-year-old American citizen born in Denver that President Obama fired uh, a predator, using a predator, uh, killed with Hellfire missiles uh, because he was such a clear and present danger uh, halfway around the world. So uh, I hope that you're just as excited if the ACLU or some other civil liberties group brings charges for the lack of due process and the killing of an American, not the attempt to capture, not the attempt to stop any other way, 
but killing them in another country. What do you think about that, Noah? I mean, essentially he's saying if, if you guys are going to continue down this road legally at the congressional level, at least from the Republican side, we're going to continue to remind you to keep your receipts. Yeah. I mean, killing U.S. citizens with drone strikes, probably one of somebody's bugaboo. <laughs> I haven't heard bugaboo in a while. That's a good one. <laughs> You know, and when you look at how Congress is looking to tackle this, I was pleased to see yesterday, you know, I'm I'm fiddling around the house where we're getting stuff set up to, uh, you know, get dinner ready and stuff. And I see like, and, and there was a couple of them. Ted Cruz had the conference on the border bill yesterday. We played the clip in our first show where J.D. Vance called it bullshit. And then, you know, within like an hour of that, I see like, Matt Gates, Corey Mills, Eli Crane, Andy Biggs, Elise Stefanik, Mike Collins, all like shuffling out onto stage with like papers, like prepared statement. I was like, are they coming to say like we got all 100 Mayorkas again? So I, I pump up the volume and it's no, it looks like House Republicans are following through and we're actually prepared this time for when the D.C. appellate court ruled, essentially kicking the case back to Judge Chungus um, before the next <laughs> appeal, hopefully to the Supreme Court to talk about how the judicial system right now is trying to erase presidential immunity in its context of like when it starts and ends, which in a president's case should be forever. I'm not saying like Donald Trump could go out today and, and commit mass murder and have presidential immunity. But if you're talking about items that were related directly to his time in office and before he left, which was January 21st, 2021, then he is protected by the presidential immunity act. Matt Gates, Elise Stefanik had some statements prepared regarding this and what they plan on doing. Let's hear it. But we are here today to authoritatively express that President Trump did not commit an insurrection. Uh, and we believe Congress has a unique role in making that declaration. It's not the job of the states and especially not the job of some bureaucrats in Colorado to make this assessment and interfere with the rights of voters to cast their vote for the candidate of their choice. The very experts who often get on television and talk about securing democracy seem to be the first to want to then remove a candidate from the ballot because they are afraid that he is too popular. We have 63 co-sponsors to the resolution that Ms. Stefanik and I will be filing today to express the sense of Congress that President Trump did not uh, commit an insurrection. I want to express my gratitude to Senator Vance for filing the companion legislation over in the Senate. And now is time for members of the House and Senate to show where they stand on this question. We and the former president welcome and expect many more co-sponsors in the coming days and look forward to a floor vote. And now I'd like to recognize my co-lead on this project, our terrific Republican Conference Chair, Elise Stefanik. And we'll hear from her just in a second. But Noah, where it's usually hard for House Republicans or just any Republicans in general to play the long game and to see what the other side, you know, of the do not enter looks like, it seems like they were pretty proactive. I mean, that, that ruling could have come down at any moment in time and within an hour of it coming out. They were they appeared unified. You know, Matt Rosendale was there. He's looking to make a big announcement here on the Steak for Breakfast podcast on Friday. So stay tuned for that as well. But does it at least kind of lead into a little bit of optimism to see in regards to this, which at the end of the day, all of these court cases is one thing and one thing only election interference. It does nothing. They honestly don't care what the rulings are. They just want to continue to disenfranchise Donald Trump in the eyes of the potential American voters for as much as they can, as close to November as they can. And this is just another instance of it where it's good to see the Republican Congress act. Don't you think? Yeah. Anytime we can see a positive out of this, whether it's a net positive or just like a little hint of a positive, it's good. But 
this is going to go down in history as the biggest election interference apparatus mm. that it's ever been thrust upon the United, the United States citizenry. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about thrust, like maybe jet propulsion or anything like that. When I think of like the election interference thrust, it's Ace Ventura, the first one, when he's just doing the, do you feel that over and over and over again? <laughs> I think we found our clip for the end of the show. Before we get into Chairwoman Stefanik, guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, no matter what platform it's on, hopefully it's Apple, but we're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Make sure you're following our show. Make sure you're sharing our content, whether it's online. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your loved ones. This is the best political podcast out there. We have the best lineup in America First, and you're going to get the honest commentary and impactful analysis here on Steak for Breakfast that you won't get anywhere else. In addition, on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, Find our accounts, follow them, hit the notification bell. Never miss out on anything that we got going on on the show. As you heard, Matt Gates was passing it over to Chairwoman Elise Stefanik. I've got her clip right here. Let's check it out. Our terrific Republican Conference Chair, Elise Stefanik. Thank you so much, Matt Gates. The American people are smart. They know that the weaponized attacks of radical far-left prosecutors and Joe Biden's Department of Justice against President Donald Trump are nothing more than a targeted political witch hunt used to further their own extreme far-left political agenda and hijack the will of the American people come Election Day. As President Donald Trump continues to dominate in the polls, extreme Democrats will stop at nothing in attempt to prevent President Donald Trump from returning to the White House, and the Democrats are shredding the Constitution in the process. Joe Biden claims that democracy is on the ballot, mm. yet the American people know that it is Joe Biden and Democrats who are openly attacking democracy. I am honored to stand as an original co-sponsor on Congressman Gates' resolution that President Donald Trump did not engage in insurrectional rebellion against the United States. That is a fact. Rogue far-left Democrat operatives are attempting to use this lie to illegally take President Trump off the ballot. This week, the Supreme Court will begin arguments in Trump v. Anderson to determine if liberal activist judges have the right to erase Donald Trump from the ballot, steal the election, and the American people's right to elect our leaders. For the sake of American democracy, I am proud to fight for President Trump and the tens of millions of American patriots who face political persecution. With that, I'm honored to turn it over to Bill Posey, our colleague, who is also a co-sponsor of this bill. And we won't hear from Bill Posey because I like some of the other ones who spoke, and we're going to hear from them in a sec. But when you look at this uh, from, from a full scope, Noah, I think the big thing is getting that resolution out on the floor and getting a vote, you're going to get one thing, receipts. So now we're going to see which of these squish Republicans, and I'm talking about the 100 or so who always vote with Democrats when we're talking about budgetary items like the continuing resolution and stuff like that, are they now going to say, Donald Trump did not commit insurrection. And I mean, when you have a House unified against it and the resolution passes, even though that resolution won't have any weight in the Senate at this point, you can see that at least the governing body, the only one when Donald Trump is president that has any control over the presidential boundaries and parameters, which is Congress, is going to say that when it comes to January 6th, many of those members who are still there, insurrection did not happen and Donald Trump did not lead it. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting when you see that when people are on our side are talking about, like, um, like she said, American democracy. Like, we say American democracy, like, for all Americans. And then when the Democrats say democracy, it's our democracy, which I, I don't think we're talking about the same democracies. So 
There's a demo. So there's like a D and an R democracy that are both going to be on the ballot this year. I like I think that. so. Yeah. I got one from Eli Crane. And the best part about his was that not only did he kind of explain why he's backing this bill and is also a co-sponsor of it, he's talking about a lot of the things that the media has done. No, I know you like when people point this out. You can't get much higher than people on Capitol Hill for calling out the mainstream media. He gets into some actual specifics of some of the things that have already been debunked from January 6th that the mainstream media just fails to cover. Let's hear it. Thank you guys for coming. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Matt. And Ms. Stefanik for leading on this. You know what I love about this? Watching uh, where President Trump is at in the polls. <laughs> I love it because it shows the American people don't trust you guys. And they shouldn't. Because you guys are full of it and everybody knows it. Mm. There's a few honest journalists in this town, but they're very few and far between. You know how I know it wasn't an insurrection? Because he hasn't been charged with insurrection. And we can all see by the lawfare how he's facing up over 700 years in jail right now, how they've tried to destroy this man, destroy his businesses, that if they felt they had an inkling of a chance of convicting President Trump of jaywalking or insurrection, they would absolutely charge him. You know how else I know it's not an insurrection? Because this is the first insurrection in the history of the world where the people that were a part of it were unarmed. It's pretty hard to do if you walk around and see how many individuals are carrying firearms. All right. Last thing I want to say about how I know it's not an insurrection is because I actually listened to the words of the president. If you're trying to stoke an insurrection, you don't tell the people listening, hey, I want you to go over there peacefully and patriotically. All right. This is not an insurrection. What it is, is a party that's scared to death of this man because he's America first and he's shown time and time again he's willing to bust up the swamp and he continues to beat you like a drum. Mm. That's what this is really about. And for all you journalists out there. I love Eli Crane. You know, that are pretty cowardly. Some in this room right now. You don't have the, you don't have the balls to write the truth. And even if you did, your publishers wouldn't publish it because you're a part of a propaganda outlet. Probably one of the biggest in the history of the world. If you had any courage, I want, I want some, you to ask some questions about that day, January 6th, that we keep talking about. Why is the pipe bomber not been caught yet? Huh? Why is the pipe bomber not been caught? The one individual that could have committed multiple mass, mass casualties has not been caught yet. Go look at, go, go follow some of uh, Beatty's reporting over at Revolver News. He's got some uh, evidence for you guys. What's going on up here with January 6th is there's a pretty big cover-up actually going on up here in Capitol Hill about some of the involvement of our government, and uh, it's quite unsavory. And I want to acknowledge Rep Massey's work on this lately and others who have been trying to get to the bottom of it. But here's here's some other questions for you journalists to ask. Why did it take so long for Ray Epps to be charged? Got him. Go, go watch videos of Ray Epps on that day and how he was stoking the entire thing and how long it took him to be charged. And yet there were so many people that were brought in, brought into the D.C. D- jail and they're still there to this day. So if you guys want to ask some questions, those are some questions. But the bottom line is we all know President Trump didn't, did not commit insurrection and he's probably going to be the president of the United States once again. And so I'm happy. Mm, how do you feel about that? I like it. He's a 
calling balls and strikes, and, and I tell you what, he's he's bringing the heat because when you talk about a lot of these debunked narratives about January sixth and the the Fed surrection component of it, I mean, obviously Ray Epps, but there were so many more. Well, the pipe bomb was was literally a plan C. It was like, oh, we're going to set this up just in case we need it. You you watched police that were, quote unquote, aware that there was a pipe bomb there, just allowing like little kids and families to walk by within like 15, 20 feet. It's like you don't do that when you think there's a live actual pipe bomb. Now, if it's an FBI training device that they've actually photographically verified looks identical to the ones that they use, then there it is sounds that like too. it's kind of bullshit. Yeah, no, you, you, I completely agree with you. And you want to know what? Uh, the vice president-elect of the United States, who surprisingly was not at the Senate that day, was merely less than 20 yards away from where this alleged pipe bomb. Now, I don't know how bigly pipe bomb explosions are, but you would have to think the second-in-command getting ready to get sworn into the United States right now as the vice president shouldn't be in an SUV less than 20 yards away from where police were. And I'm air quoting now investigating it seems kind of weird. You don't, you don't factor in how you respond to an improvised explosive device by, well, it's a small one. It's, it's, it's the, you, you cordon off the area, get the bomb squad with the robot, with the little fucking claw and, and you go to town. You don't just stand there and freaking have Dunkin' Donuts. I like Dunkin' Donuts. Me too, but I mean, not when there's a pipe bomb. No, definitely not when there's a pipe bomb. Last one I've got before we jump in with country recording artist, platinum artist, and now political commentator who's doing great work at townhall.com and with Prager University, Alexis Wilkins. Our guest from the first episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, Representative Mills. I thought he had a fiery but mostly peaceful speaking on this when all the other Republicans were out there stumping on it. Let's hear it. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend Corey Mills and fellow colleague from Florida. Thank you so much. I want to point out a couple of obvious statements. These have been out there from the very beginning. One is right here. You want to talk about inciting violence, inciting an insurrection. You want to talk about the ideas of promoting violence. Well, right here, you've got Kamala Harris, who is actually trying to raise funds for the very people who are setting fire to our cities in 2020. Mm, Why don't we go look at Minneapolis? Why don't we go look at Seattle, New York, Baltimore? Why don't we look at what CHOP was doing, what was being encouraged? Why don't we look at... Maxwell Waters, who said we need to be more confrontational, or Nancy Pelosi, the former speaker, who said, I'm surprised there's not more people out in the streets rioting. Now, let's look at what President Trump said, however. He said, these things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long, go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Well, you're right. The media did remember this day forever, and so did the left, who continued to try and vilify it as something that it is not. But let me be clear. President Trump did not incite violence. This was not an insurrection. If this was an insurrection, then what about all the pro-Hamas members who sit in our Capitol and disrupt legislation, which just happened last week? Was that an insurrection? It was an unarmed group who was disrupting federal legislative process. That's what everyone in the media and all the left continues to try and claim. But the bottom line is is that it was never about policing 
and it was all about politics. This is election interference. This is trying to remove someone that they know will be the president of the United States, someone who was the 45th, 46th, and will be the 47th president of the United States. Love it. This is about ensuring that they can try and remove him from the ballot by attacking his family, by attacking his businesses, by claiming that there was a false narrative set up for fraud regarding the actual valuation of his property, Mar-a-Lago, which 20 years ago was valued higher than what they're trying to claim it is today. This is about lawfare. That's just by now. Whether it be Fannie Willis in the DA's office, whether it be the AGs, whether it be the Department of Injustice. The bottom line is that this was never about trying to prosecute the president and all about trying to have him removed for election interference. You know, my biggest takeaway from this, Noah, especially when you talk about the last two clips we heard, Eli Crane, uh, congressman from Arizona, and Corey Mills, congressman from Florida, who joined us earlier today, talking about the debunked narratives and the factual evidence during occurrences like as recently as last week where you know, end the conflict in Israel, protesters took over the Capitol Rotunda, all the way back to the summer of love. They've shown how it's a two-tier system of justice, and I think it's pretty good to see freshman congressmen. And, and listen, Corey Mills has seen war zones. Eli Crane was a Navy SEAL. These guys know what it looks like in real life, in real time, and they're up there leading in their first terms in office. I think it says a lot for the growing pains that the Republican House has gone to, but it also continues to have me be optimistic of what the future could look like, especially next year in what would be Donald Trump's second term. Yeah, we keep these people in charge, the actual adults, or we'll be in good shape. Just imagine you have these idiots like Nancy Pelosi. I guess we're going to call her Maxwell Waters now. Maxine Waters. (laughs) And, And then, you know, Chuck Schumer tried to tell you how life's supposed to be. Mitch McConnell tried to tell you how life's supposed to be. And then you have these people who have really seen it. You know, guys and gals up there that have actual kill counts who are saying, like, listen, why, why are we dealing with this bullshit? Here's the facts. Here's the reality. And here's the fake narrative that they're creating to, you know, basically provide this false universe that we all live in, according to the Democrats. And, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a better group that's up there now. There is potentially a lot of room for growth. And when you look at some of the candidates that we bring on the show, Sandy Smith, Darren Bailey, Joe Kent, J.R. Majewski, they're going to be able to pad the numbers in this upcoming election, especially with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket. So all we can do is continue to track, which is what we'll always be doing here on the show. As this develops, we're waiting to see where the next appeal goes to, or is it going to remain in an appellate court, or are they going right to SCOTUS? In the meantime, we're going to be sitting down with country music recording star Alexis Wilkins. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Wednesday edition 
of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. She's a host on PragerU. She reads between the headlines on Rumble. She's a country music artist who has produced platinum content, one of our absolute favorites. Miss Alexis Wilkins, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be with y'all. Good to have you on. So since last we've talked, you've kind of uh, done more than just dip your toe in the water of politics. You've, you've always had some commentaries and you've done some writings, but now, you know, I can't log into my Instagram without seeing your weekly updates coming across my feed. So why don't you tell our listenership a little bit about what you've got going on? Well, thank you. Yeah, just, you know, it's too important right now. I say that a lot. Like the cross-section between politics and culture, I think, um, you know, should be taking up the airwaves. If you believe in America first policy and you want to broadcast that and you, you know, contribute to any other aspect of culture, I think it's important that you do. And for me, it's it's really more majority of, of what I do anyway. And so I've had a lot of um, fun getting to involve that more in this past year, especially in 2023, expanding it and definitely been on the road more 50-50 music and politics in 2024. And so, I, uh, I have a show, yeah, over on Rumble called Between the Headlines, and um, it's been kind of a, but started this weekly broadcast. We put out a 15-minute update on Fridays, um, just kind of recapping concepts of the week, getting people in and out, and, you know, there's so much content that's amazing. I just wanted to contribute by giving people a little update and um, providing some historical context. We do a constitutional bit because... Ultimately, a lot of this is lack of, you know, education. They didn't learn in school what their rights are. They don't know a lot of these things. Um, and that's, I think, how we got here as a country. And so providing that historical context and the weekly updates is, has been really fun for me. No, it's, it's actually awesome to watch. And, you know, the question I wanted to ask you was, now, when you see the crossover now, because between the music, it is kind of a different demographic, but your music has always been very patriotically driven. It's uh, in support of veterans. It's very wholesome when it comes to, you know, just the content you produce that is in support of, like, the American dream and spirit. In addition to that, you, you get into politics now. And, and how's the crossover or even meshing been? Do you see any kind of, like, a correlation? Or do you think because of what kind of inspires you as a writer and a musician it, it seems pretty seamless to you know be able to come over and and dabble in the world of political commentary it has been it's been pretty seamless honestly you know you get you get things here and there but the overwhelming support for talking about how great america is and how great it can be and what we need to fix seems to be something that people who already listen to my music is something that they care about too you know as as you said I, i've always done a lot of work with veterans and military and i've never been quiet about my point of view um but combining that with things that they want to hear you know the audience wants to hear people who use their voice for the things that they believe in we see so much in culture um, of the left spouting their views and saying you know hey we make this music and i think pink even said a couple like a couple weeks ago you know if you're if you believe in this don't you dare listen to my music and i think america collectively goes okay we won't and so there's a whole kind of subculture here that that runs parallel and the American people, you know, sometimes they just want good music by people who don't hate them. I've always said that. And so for me, having music like Country Back and like Stand and these, you know, pro pro patriotic and then just good old fashioned country songs meshes really well with what I say politically. And so I can't, you know, I'm really grateful to the people who have followed it and listened to the music and have crossed over and also follow the political content now. 
No, it's awesome because, you know, I don't think we have enough of it, that crossover genre between, you know, performing artist and then someone who's really getting into politics and can understand and explain the way it, it's supposed to be well thought out and, and studied. I mean, you do some writings for town halls as well, and it's not like you're just commentating on, on the headlines. You, you dive into some of these issues and then you have some really good takes on them. And I, I think that's really important for our listenership to understand as well. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. It's it's interesting coming from both backgrounds, having done music for so long to where that was, you know, obviously what I, I did and do full time. And then also coming from a background, you know, at the end of the day, like politics is what I went to school for. You know, that's what I understand really well. It's what I've always been passionate about. Um, I love history. I love reading and just even be existing kind of in the platform and seeing what people are missing from both angles, you know, how how culture really drives the way that people think about things and the way that people vote. You know, you have, it's funny, what's been driving me crazy lately is this kind of Western popular influence bleeding into, you know, what people are wearing at the Grammys. And I think Louis Vuitton did a country collaboration. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm not mad that people draw inspiration from things, but it's things like that that sound really silly but that end up being, you know, they're taking this culture that they they would not like the people if they went out into the country, these leftists, they're, you know, they're super blue and they're out here wearing cowboy hats to to these award shows. And it's stuff like that, that, you know, people just accept and say, you know, oh, they understand now. It's like, no, they don't. They don't understand. Beyonce does not agree with you all of a sudden because she's wearing a cowboy hat. And I think just having the press back of going, you know, just because you start to see things pop up doesn't mean that, you know, it's all, it's all kind of a big manipulation. And I think that it's important for people to understand that. No, it's the truth. And now in the middle of a general election season, I mean, the primaries are all but over. We saw that with the results from the Nevada primary last night where Nikki Haley lost by a considerable margin to none of the above. So it looks like it's (laughs) going to be at this point, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden again. And we do know yeah. one of the big things that you'll see during an election season is those coming out of the woodwork who who normally don't weigh in on politics but are going to try and pander as hard as they can for either side of the aisle. It's more prevalent on, on the left, to be sure. You just gave a perfectly good example of Beyonce's cowboy ensemble at the, at the Grammys last week. But how important is it to kind of try and uh, have to see between all this messaging that's going to be coming out there as, you know, these elites will come down to, you know, talk to the peasants and say like, Oh no, we really understand you. And you know, the, the only way to be able to continue to understand you is if you vote for Joe Biden or on the other side of the aisle, it's like, well, look how bad the country has been over the last three years. If you really want us to get towards fixing it, you got to vote for Donald Trump. But, you know, as someone that now does political commentary and is also an, an artist who is in th- that kind of area, what is it like to, to navigate through these waters when you're seeing this stuff start to come out uh, and, and it's only going to ramp up as we head towards November? Yeah, I mean, it's been a it's definitely been a season like no other with the fact that, you know, you had, the, of course, the as I know you, you guys are all too familiar with the DeSantis influencer complex. And yeah. now that's going to have to recalibrate because people are going to try and flip flop and act like they didn't accept huge checks for their opinions. But, you know, if your opinion's sold, it's sold. And so it's kind of interesting. It's it's on both sides a little bit where we're going to see these lines settle in. I know that people like to uh, I've seen on Twitter a lot, you know, people getting mad that the conservatives are frustrated with Taylor Swift and the whole coverage and that, you know, ultimately does her viewership or or following pull that many votes? Probably not, but the culture influence is important. And I, I don't think we're losing the culture war by calling that out because you have these giants that are totally influenced by, you know, 
broader things, bigger paychecks coming out and, and having this influence on a younger generation, whether they're old enough to vote or not. And it, it really does matter. But I think at the end of the day, you, know, you have people like 50 Cent who are saying, you know, sure. I think the answer is Trump. You have all these people that are coming around and going, you know what, I'm looking at the world and the economy and my own paycheck and my taxes and the border. And you have these hot button issues that, you know, they're not just they're not just interview anecdotes anymore anecdotes anymore they're actually things that people are willing to put their names on the line and say hey i think it's bad enough you know you can hate mean tweets but i don't think you can hate trump anymore and so it's it's what we've always seen in in the president and what we've always pulled for of course but i i do think that some of culture will come around i think that we're going to be surprised by some of the people who come forward but ultimately the left is always going to control the big machine of you know, the 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 big ones, the Taylor Swifts, the, you know, the whole Super Bowl issue. It's always going to be the left's game there. I just think that it's at a point now where people are going to start ignoring that. You know, it, it really is going to go back to, hey, can you, if you're going to tell us to vote for Joe Biden, you know, can you just go back to singing? And I, I really hope that that's where it lands. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'm glad you brought up the Taylor Swift example. We've kind of stayed away from it because the way I personally feel about it is unless she gets out like on stage with Joe Biden and starts campaigning for him, it's just kind of like a pop culture issue that some of these conservative influencers are trying to rope in there. I mean, it's good to see it yeah. and, and be aware of it. So it's not a shocker. Let's just say come the summer and, and they want to throw her out there on stage with people like the Obamas and the Clintons and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think uh, you, you do make a very good point. It, it's like, how do these people who are coming in to try and tell you what a better life looks like actually does something to make your life better? And I, I would say in most, if not all cases, it's it's very few. And at the same time, we, we, we are going to see a lot of it between now and November. So Alexis, last thing I want to touch with you on, kind of give you a little preview for your show this week. So we covered the Alejandro Mayorkas non-impeachment. Also, we broke down the border bill on our first edition of the show today. We just got done finishing the the ruling that came out yesterday in regards to Donald Trump's presidential immunity. And we're going to be touching on the Trump versus Biden matchup after those bad poll numbers came out for Joe Biden this right. past weekend. What are some of the headlines that you're looking to tackle as you're getting ready for your show on Friday? You know, we just saw this morning, this Marine helicopter uh, is missing. You know, we keep seeing these military headlines. And for me, I think that this is huge because it ties in with everything else going on from the border, from the fact that we've, you know, the, the, the government has lost over two dozen terrorists that have come over the border. You know, we see these things and they're all connected. You sure. know, they're, they're throwing people, they're throwing men and women in, in uniform into the throes of these issues just for a headline. And it's something that um, I'm really passionate about. As you guys know, it means a whole lot to me. And so I just think bringing the attention to that and and refocusing on ultimately that that people, you know, this isn't a victimless administration. Of course, we're all feeling the effects of it. The country's at risk here, but there are people overseas paying the price for the bad leadership, you know, from um, Lloyd Austin's issues to everything else that that has been just such an institutional failure. And so those are some things that I will definitely be talking about. Um, we're going to highlight the constitutional bit this week will likely be about presidential immunity and some of the precedents there and the fact that, you know, do we just open the books on everything now that that's the precedent? So that's that's what I'm looking at. Oh, it's some good topics to talk about. And you mentioned Secretary Lloyd Austin and the non-accountability for him. And then when you see the daily garbage that we're, we're spoon-fed every day from the White House press pool, KGP and John Kirby, obviously, you've got Jake Sullivan, who's 
you know, the, the national security advisor right now talking about all the failures they've had in the Middle East and finally starting to admit to some of that. And, and then you have and, Anthony Blinken, who's probably one of the weakest empty suit secretaries of states we've ever had uh, out there trying to dictate foreign policy to places like Ukraine and the Middle East. And the entire administration is just over their head. And, and I think the best point you made, Alexis, was that who are the people that are affected? Yes, it's the American people who have to see this and kind of live through what Biden foreign policy likes, but it's all those families who are affected. It took Donald Trump almost two years to be able to figure out what foreign policy measures weren't going correctly. And then we saw for the eight, last 18 months of his administration, not one coalition or U.S. casket came home from any theater of war on the face of the earth. And, and it talks about and lends credit a lot to what Donald Trump uh, was able to do, and it, it, it's a stark comparison to to the failures of the Biden administration. Absolutely. Well, we're going to do everything we can to get more people checking you out and seeing all the great stuff you've got going on. We always love promoting your music. We share it on our social medias frequently. But in addition to linking your Rumble channel and your website in our show description today, why don't you tell everybody else where they can find you on social media? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's all Alexis Wilkins, so True Social, Rumble, everything is Alexis Wilkins. Um, you can generally find everything there and on, on any platform you go to. Um, and then we're putting out the music video for Country Back pretty soon, which I'm really excited. We have um, a whole patriotic version of it just to, we, we ended up going to this small town kind of near me in Nashville and they were having a parade that day just so as it happened. And so it was really cool. We got to see a good glimpse of uh, small town America and all the stuff we're fighting for. And so, um, put that in a video and that'll be out pretty soon. Can't wait to see it. And just like Stan, can't wait to be sharing it everywhere on our social media. This is the host of Prager Use Between the Lines on Rumble. She also does a little writing at Town Hall. She's a country music recording absolute superstar and provides some fire commentary on Steak for Breakfast today. Miss Alexis Wilkins, thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. These are some truly stunning numbers. They really are, Kristen. And let's just start with the bottom line. When you ask folks, hey, if it's the general election and it's Trump versus Biden in our poll, Donald Trump now leads Joe Biden by five points. Compare that to the last time we polled back in November. Trump was ahead then, but it was only by two points. And it's even more significant when you look at it this way. Over time, we have been testing for five years now, going back to 2019, a Biden-Trump matchup. Remember 2019, 2020, Joe Biden led. He led big in every single one of our polls. For the first time in November, Donald Trump pulled ahead in our poll, and now at five points, this is the biggest lead NBC has ever had in 16 polls for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And of course, undergirding all of this is this question of, he is the incumbent, Joe Biden. We ask voters, what do you think of the job he's doing? And look at that, Kristen, 37% approve, and now 60% disapprove. And we should say that is the lowest approval rating since former President George W. Bush's second term. Yeah. Pretty alarming numbers for Joe Biden, as you heard from Kornacki this weekend. And, you know, man, some of these polls that have come out, even the ones that a lot of the leftists and some of the squished conservative news outlets like to harp on, like Donald Trump's electability following a court verdict being ruled against him and him becoming convicted of any kind of crime before the appeals process. Those numbers have dripped down to where they were double digits maybe 10 months ago. Now they're within the margin of error which I think, uh, you know, a lot of the American people are really starting to wake up to this and, and see exactly what's going on when we're talking about 
the poll numbers and and what's the truth between the lies? I mean that that was a 16 month analysis right there, which showed everything going on from before Joe Biden took office all the way up through his initial popularity down to the lowest point of a sitting president in the, in the history of the modern era outside of George W. Bush during the Gulf War, and Joe Biden currently sits at 37 percent. I mean, even Barack Barack Obama was at 46 percent on this day during his second term in office. So it says a lot. I mean, even Donald Trump was in the, the mid-40s dur- during the back end of his first term in office. So what do you think, Noah, when you see these numbers continuing to rise for, for Donald Trump? Is it has the, has the left done enough to kind of set so many fires they no longer control it? Or is this just more of a, what do you think, a Joe Biden thing? Well, they've set so many fires now that smoke is just normal to us. It doesn't phase us anymore. We're just used to it. That is just the go, truth. Go on about our business and just roll with the punches at this point because we know that it's all baseless. There's, It's not going to go anywhere unless they miraculously can like pay off the right people or have another weird sex video that they can use against somebody. We do all do love those sex videos. You know, speaking of which, not really, I finally got mm-hmm. the Megan McCain block on X. Oh, nice. What does that have to do with the sex video? I don't know. I was thinking of the antithesis of it, I think. But here's the deal. You know, she posted something about Donald Trump's intelligence level recently, and I just quoted the tweet with a video attachment. It was when Saturday Night Live made fun of her on The View, and they had somebody who looks like Chris Farley essentially be her. (laughs) And I said... The sad part is, is that Donald Trump was so much smarter than your father and anything you say about her dad is an instant trigger. So I finally got that block. Now I'm completely focused in on Chip Soy. Gotta catch them all. So much so that when I mentioned it in the comments of that tweet, Chip Soy actually liked it and reshared it. So we'll see. I need to find some really damning personal information. I need like a shirtless Chip Soy pick to be starting to throw around online or something like that because it seems like... Uh, He's not playing chicken with us here on Steak for Breakfast. He wants to just keep taking the tens of thousands of engagements my posts get whenever I shit post them. So it is what it is. Donald Trump sat down with Maria Bartiromo this weekend for an exclusive interview. And, you know, we, we only try to play stuff on the show that Donald Trump puts out, uh, not as repetitive commentary as much like it was when we first started doing these events. It was always, you know, the safest and most secure border, the booming economy, this, that. And the- now when he gets into, like, the funny component or – developing on Agenda 45 items with things potentially that are coming in Agenda 47. One of the things he was talking about here, which is kind of like a broad brush of it all, is that for all the stuff that's going on, he didn't need this bullshit. He had a nice life. He has a nice life. He lives at Mar-a-Lago, which is definitely valued in reality a lot more than the New York civil case has proven it to be. But, you know, he kind of just broke it down to Maria. He's in this for one reason and one reason only. Saving the country and making it great again. Let's hear it. I'm doing this for the country. I didn't need this. I could have had the greatest life. Look at this. I could have had a nice time instead of doing a nice, fair, but tough interview with you. I could have had a very nice time in my life. I could have enjoyed it. But I enjoy it anyway because we're going to make America great again. This country is failing. This nation is failing. And it's incompetent people like Biden. Who wants open borders? Who wants high interest rates? Who wants bad education? Who wants all of this stuff? Who wants a woke military? Our country's going to hell. And it's an honor for me. I, I really say anytime I get indicted, it's an honor because I'm doing it for you. And the people agree with it. 
They certainly do. And, and I think the way he's kind of <laughs> spun that back around on the justice system, <laughs> it has to. Like, how many times do you think they've gone either out of court or at these ridiculous law firms and they've just, like, walked into an office with a huge pile of papers and just, like, fucking threw it so they fly everywhere when they see what he's saying on TV directly following a ruling or new charges being brought against it or some appeal that he's losing in a, in, in a radical branch of the appellate courts and stuff like that, Noah? It's got to be hilarious. The, the the frustration that they must be holding because they're just waiting for him to fold and give up, and it's just not going to happen. That's not that's not the personality the man has. And, and you know he's doubling down on what he calls flippable or more winnable areas of the country that he's focusing hard on Wisconsin right now. He's focusing hard in places in California right now. They actually asked him about what a lot of people. We're calling fake news about Trump doing rallies in New York State. And someone's like, what's stopping you from doing rallies in, let's just say, the Bronx or at Madison Square Garden? And he's like, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm looking at doing both, maybe more. Just imagine a Republican president where Republicans haven't won the state of New York since Reagan going back and holding Trump rallies at Madison Square Garden. This is where the greatest games in the history of hockey and basketball have been played. People like, you know, Frank Sinatra have had legendary concerts. And then you're going to have Donald Trump holding a rally there in the middle of one of what's turning out to be the wildest presidential primary season in probably the history of our planet. What do you think, Noah? And probably smoking the uh, amount of people that showed up for all those historical events, too. And I think what's scary... No, you're right, and I think what scares them more than anything is the type of people that will show up. Are are we? We're not going to be getting like the rural outliers of New York State. We're going to be getting the actual people who live in the city and have been subjected to these radical, progressive, just absolute mandates that have destroyed their lives. You know, yeah, they're going to show up and be like, "What's all this about? I kind of like this." Yeah, fire up the blacks for Trump signs because we're going to need more of them. The GOP primary Super Tuesday states poll just came out from the morning consult today, Noah. I'm going to read them down. It's head to head. Remember, primary. This is Trump versus Tricky Nikki if she decides to stay in the race. Trump 83, Haley 16 in California. Trump 84, Haley 15 in Texas. Trump 76, Haley 23 in North Carolina. Trump 78, Haley 19 in Virginia. Trump 87, Haley 12 in Alabama. Trump 69, Haley 28 in Massachusetts. Trump 81, Haley 18 in Tennessee. Trump 88, Haley 11 in Oklahoma. Those are the Super Tuesday states. And then when you see the general election poll that came out today, and this is from Survey USA, Trump 49, Biden 44. Include independents, Trump 48, Biden 38. Hurts Biden more than it hurts Trump. It's wild. The, the tide of the American people is turning and favoring Donald Trump. Now, I don't know if you also heard, also know, and I know you're not the hugest sports fan, so we're not going to hold you to it, but historically during the Super Bowl, before the halftime show kicks off, there's usually like a, let's do a little live look in on the president in their home and, you know, have a quick chat with the president. Are you watching the game? Who do you want to win? Like, what are some things that's going on with the country right now? For the second year in a row now, Joe Biden has canceled. Like it was booked and then he canceled it like last minute? Well, he just said he's not going to do it again. Oh. But, but I mean, you're breaking longstanding traditions of presidents that have gone back. I mean, you could type in on like YouTube or internet browser, like 
presidential interview Super Bowl halftime. And you'll just see every president in the modern era on TV, like, you know, wearing the sweater, the dog sitting next to the chair in the living room, the wife or some kids walk by with like a bowl of popcorn or something. It's wholesome. It's showing people who might not necessarily be as dialed into politics as someone like, let's just say us per se, they finally get the opportunity to get a lively can. Oh, you know, I, I know Joe Biden's the president, but let's see what he's really about. Donald well, they don't want to turn on the camera and have it say, see Jill Biden with a shop vac, you know, vacuuming poop off the sofa. Oh, boy. You know, Donald Trump immediately took to True Social and said, which would be a ratings bonanza. He'd be, uh-huh. more, he'd be more than happy to fill the spot of Joe Biden if the sports governances and, and cable outlets that are going to be hosting the Super Bowl would be so gracious to have him. So we'll see. The Super Bowl is this what Sunday. What if they did that, like Saturday Night Live, where they make fun of the president? Like, what if Trump got painted pale instead of orange and then did his best Biden impersonation? I mean, he does oh. He does do a pretty good one on the, on the rally stages when he walks around and shakes Air's hand. <laughs> yeah, but how amazing would that be if they just did, like, the full-on, like, the whole deal and then get, like, the Kamala uh, stand-in chick? Oh, that'd be great. For, for, for as many times as Donald Trump has been on SNL and done comedy. I mean, he, he did a whole year with WWE. There was that whole villain arc for him when he wound up shaving Vince McMahon's head at the end. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be great. So will we see Donald Trump this Sunday? Who knows if we don't see him on the Super Bowl, I'm sure he'll jump on some other news station and provide some content while Joe Biden is not. Donald Trump also called for during that interview with Maria Bartiromo, Noah for Joe Biden to debate him immediately let's not wait for the general election cycle let's get him out there and then he alluded to the fact that it's not going to happen because he can't he can't put two sentences together he doesn't know how to get off the state he did the whole trump spiel believe it or not the press caught up with joe biden in delaware on vacation this past weekend you'll never guess what he was coming out of Mm, ice cream shop and ice creamery And he had his big old shake there in his hand. And the press actually asked him what he thought about Donald Trump calling him out to debate. Let's hear Joe Biden. Kind of. He's too busy. Yeah, he would want to debate you because Mm -hmm. you're a imbecile just a bumbling can't moron talk for longer than three minutes without shitting his pants and falling over you know this is like the third time this this out of these two shows that you've mentioned shitting your pants and i i have to keep going back i, I we like to shoot it straight and, and provide the absolute facts here you know we've heard so many people both in our interviews today and through audio clips talk about january 6 what happened and that it was a completely unarmed insurrection i in some context I like to say that that's not true. Who? <laughs> You're talking about using poop as a weapon? Who shit on Mitch McConnell's desk? <laughs> I knew it. And who wiped crap all over the walls of Nancy Pelosi's office? Listen, if it didn't happen, I would completely get away from it. But when you watch the January 6th documentary, all the clips that have leaked online, where Nancy Pelosi's like, she looks like every Karen meme that's on the phone calling the cops, and she's just like, well, we can't get back in there until the cleaning crews get the feces off the walls of Congress. It happened. It you happened. She said, fuck it, and color matched it, and just, just match it. Just match the color paint over it. Goodness. 
you know, and if Donald Trump was wrong about this whole Joe Biden thing, his mental capacity, the, the fact that he can't put two sentences together and this, that and the other thing, we would completely be on board with that and say, well, you know, I don't know. I think it would be a good debate. Joe Biden spoke yesterday, dressed completely like a Ukraine retard. Ugh. Suit, matching tie, lapel pin, harping on this, you know, $11 billion more bills of cash they want to send over to Ukraine to fight the fakest war in the history of the galaxy. The president of your country doesn't wear some other flag. It's, you just don't do it. Come on. And I know we always say he's an empty suit and his handlers are in control, but just optically from the outside looking in other world leaders other countries who don't know what's really going on here to think that they think this guy's got his finger on the button that launches the nukes listen to this clip there is some movement and i don't want to i don't want to oh well maybe choose my words oh there's some movement there's been a response from you getting a hard on the uh oh. the, the, there's been a response from <laughs> the opposition but um it, it, yes i'm sorry from hamas oh. but it seems to be uh, a little over the top we're not sure where it is there's a continuing negotiation right now 40 seconds of i don't know what the fuck he just said well it's it Teleprompter obviously fucking blew a fuse or something because he, he was just making it up off the cuff. And but, also, the fucking press needs to stop feeding him. Like, when he fucks up something, just let him float. Just let him bob there like an idiot. Don't tell him the word he's looking for. Like, he'll fuck up somebody's name or forget somebody's name, and then some asshole on the side will be like, oh, it's Joe Schmo. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Joe Schmo. Anyway. Uh, oh, did you see the exchange between KGP and Ducey yesterday in the White House press pool? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, Joe Biden invoked a conversation that he supposedly had last week confusing French President Emmanuel Macron with a president who died in 1996. And when Peter Ducey asked KJP in the White House press pool yesterday, off. She's like, I'm not going to. Dude, she rolled her eyes so many times. She's like, you've seen him in California. You've seen him in Wisconsin. You've seen him in Pennsylvania. He's completely fine. I'm not even going to entertain that. We're not going there. What I have to say to that is... Oh. Scissor me timbers. It's absolutely despicable what they do to shield this guy. And I, I would hate to see him be held accountable for his mental capacity right now because part of it's probably not his fault. But, you know, it, that was an excellent point you made because it's, it's super relevant. And the, the fact that the Democrat talking point is now everything that's wrong with this country is because of Donald Trump. And his MAGA Republican supporters. That's I don't I don't think anybody could possibly believe that. No. And, and when Donald Trump like, gets no matter how much of a basement hot pocket eating retard you are <laughs> who's spoon fed CNN through your butthole, like that's that's the only, you know, nutrients that you get from not having any sunlight in your life and vitamin D. A CNN There's colon no cleanse? You can believe that. Yeah, see the CNN colon cleanse. Hmm. there's just no way there's no fucking way that anybody's taking this seriously like they may parrot it because it's the talking point but nobody really believes it no i don't don't think they do either and you know we're we're gonna we've got one more clip before we get to that guys wherever you're listening today last call subscribe to the podcast on a major podcasting platform that's apple spotify google podcast or iHeartRadio. apple would be the preference because 
we get the Apple Top 100 ratings there. It massages the algorithms. When you open up the podcasting application, Steak for Breakfast is presented more for political podcasts with commentary. In addition, on social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, find their accounts, follow them, hit the notification bell, and never miss out on anything we've got going on on the show. Last thing, share the podcast. You see the posts on X or on Truth Social or on Instagram or you see your friends, your family, your loved ones, tell them about our podcast if they identify with America First as much as we do and you, our listeners, do as well. So there was a lot of chatter this week. And Noah, you know our top two VP candidates right now is and always has been Dr. Ben Carson Mm -hmm. and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. They've been asked on every single show that they've gone on to, and they always go back to, you know, I love President Trump. His policies helped my state, or I helped promote his policies when I worked in the administration. We worked hand-in-hand, this, that, and the other thing. Kellyanne Conway was on the other day on Fox News. It was midday show. I was getting ready to lie down for a nap before my kids got off from school. And I see, you know, her talking about, a lot of people said that when Marsha Blackburn kind of balked on the VP ship in 2015, she opened up the door for Mike Pence. We all know that that went to, but at the time it was areas where Donald Trump was struggling in, suburban moms and evangelicals. That's changed now. We don't need one of those. The two commentators asked her about Christy Nome, and she said, you want to know what? For all the great things she brings to the table, and she would not be a bad VP pick, she has strongly suggested that Donald Trump does not need to select a woman to counter Kamala Harris. And then when they kind of peppered her on, but yeah, she did, you know, she's got an ad campaign. She's been with the president. She's held two rallies. So she's like, yeah, but you know, I would much rather see maybe a person of color. Not like that matters, but that's what her angle was into saying that long story short, when she got to the end of the conversation with these people, if you want to know what the Trump world insiders and which has had been reported on this show in its entirety, because number one, I asked several of them. She said the favorite right now, and has been for quite some time, is Dr. Ben Carson, which a lot of people like hold it over him as like sleepy Ben. I just don't see it. No, we've interviewed him four times. The man is brilliant. The man does not just know about the medical field and the educational field and the things he did at HUD. He talked more about like culture and geopolitics when it talked about like the socialist and, and Marxist revolution going on in this country than he did about any of this stuff that he was known for before he came on with us. And he just seemed to really have a statesman-like quality that I think is the one thing that rises him above the level of all the other candidates involved. What do you think? Yeah, he's very knowledgeable. Everything, like literally anything you asked him, he had a very detailed and concise response to it. He just has a very uh, relaxed tone. Yeah, and and it's like... If that's what they're going to call him, Sleepy Ben, then whatever. Like he's still fucking head and shoulders above and beyond anything that Biden is doing right now. Come on. When you look at how unsteady things were at times during the first Trump administration, you have to look at the people who stood by President Trump's side. Ben Carson, I think, was the only cabinet member who lasted all four years from appointment to the day Donald Trump left D.C. You know, that puts him in the same category as people like Stephen Miller, Peter Navarro, Dan Scavino, and Mike Pence. Like, you don't get a caliber of person outside of the former vice president as you do with the rest of the aforementioned men there. And it really should make people think, you know, when you're looking at, at weighing, like Vivek Ramaswamy is so far out of the equation right now and Kellyanne Conway shut that shit down. 
When I saw how he had interacted in his first public speaking event with Donald Trump after he got out of the race and endorsed President Trump, the following event, Donald Trump said, I'm going to call this guy up, but he's got to tone it down and he's only got a minute to talk. I said, that's it. Donald Trump is not going to like cut the legs out from somebody on a public stage and like a couple months later say like, oh yeah, this guy should totally be my VP. He doesn't need a yeah. cheerleader. He needs a compliment to what he brings to the table. Don't you agree with that, Noah? Yeah, 100%. And in our last audio clip of the day, before we jump in with conservative consultant Alex Brusowitz, Donald Trump talked about his VP pick and the fact that it might not be coming for a while, even though he already knows, probably in his mind, who the choice is going to be. Let's hear it. When will you announce who your VP is? Not for a while. I mean, I have, we have so many great people in the Republican Party, but not for a while. Well, what criteria are you using to identify who your running mate is? Always it's got to be one thing. It's got to be who would be a good president. I mean, you always have to think that because, you know, in case of emergency, things happen, right? No matter who you are, things happen. It's got to be number one. Who is your running mate? Well, I have a lot of good people. We have a lot of really good people. So you haven't decided who it is? Man, I really have relax. a lot of good ideas, but I haven't. And there's no okay. reason so to do that So you haven't told that person you're my person? I, I speak to everybody. I speak to everybody. You know, I called Tim Scott this so because a lot of people like Tim Scott. I called him and I said, you're a much better candidate that, for me than you are for yourself. When I watched Tim, he was fine. He was good, but he was very low-key, et cetera, et cetera. I watched him in the last week defending me and sticking up for me and fighting for me. I said, man, I said, you're a much better person for me than you are for yourself because for himself, he was low-key. For me, he's been, he's been a real tiger He's been incredible. And others have, too. Uh, so maybe it's Tim Scott. Well, it could be, it could be a lot of people. But it was interesting. I was watching Tim. I've been watching, you know, for a while. I watched him campaign as a candidate. But I watched him over the last two weeks. Uh, as you know, he endorsed me, fully endorsed me, gave me a beautiful endorsement. And he has been really strong in terms of that. No, but that has nothing to do. I don't want anybody to take even any inference. But it's incredible. Uh, Christy Noem has been incredible fighting for me. She said, I'd never run against him because I can't beat him. That was a very nice thing to say. What was it's the story that your team reached out to RFK Jr.? Fake news. Did it's you? a false story. No, it's a false You story. never reached you know out what? to RFK Jr.? I like Jr. him a lot. Nope. Never, never happened. Oh, is it fair to... You know, that? thanks Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk for creating probably the gayest fake news story of the entire news cycle. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, No. <laughs> Never happened. Ever happened. I've gotten everything from like LOL no to F with like 47 U's in the word fuck and N with like 70 no's in the no for right. yeah asking about that. And it, it was the same thing with Vivek Ramaswamy. I'll be completely honest with you. And I can only say what I've heard. I'm not going to, you know, reveal my sources or how close they are to the president. But the fact of the matter is, is when I have a question I ask and when I get an answer, it usually comes to fruition. So, you know, and I think Donald Trump right now is promoting Tim Scott. But just remember one thing, Donald Trump loves optics. He loves it. Trump Scott would not be horrible aesthetics. I don't think so at all. But he never really resonated nationally with the people that you would hope suburban moms, family types, single women, and maybe younger kids as not really a progressive senator, but a progressive type. He's a middle-aged African-American man, recently engaged. Who would have thought that? Donald Trump didn't even see that one coming. 
But the fact that his poll numbers really never got into double digits nationally makes me think that that's not really a choice. And when Donald Trump talks about the great work that Tim Scott does, and although he might have another spot ready for him within a future Trump administration, it has nothing to do or bear over who he's going to eventually choose as his VP. Right now, I see it. Ben Carson, 1A. Christy Nome, 1B. And then there's like a best of the rest. I know people like Tucker Carlson. Elise Stefanik wouldn't be a horrible pick either. But when it comes to the top two candidates, I think it's still Noam and Carson right now. And at the end of the day, we'll have to see if that's going to be the VP pick. We're getting ready to wrap up our second all-new edition of our Wednesday podcast this week and jump in with conservative consultant Alex Brusewitz. But before we do that, let's check in one more time with one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the CEO of X Strategies LLC, one of our great friends. Everybody knows he's all in for Trump 2024 as well. Mr. Alex Brusowitz, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No, always a pleasure. Listen, we got to start off with two of the biggest items that happened last night, and, and we'll start up on Capitol Hill today with you. So we saw the failed impeachment vote for Alejandro Mayorkas. We know that it was kind of procedural the way it went down without Steve Scalise right there and, and the majority being so slim. But here's the deal. Uh, early voting for the New York three special election starts in days. Uh, the election is going to be next weekend. And after that, there's going to be no impeachment votes for essentially anybody in the House of Representatives. They have to get this done. I know you back some of these Congress people. You know there's some America First fighters up there. We had a couple of them on our first edition of the show today, Corey Mills and Tim Burchett. But the fact of the matter is the numbers are small, and they're always up against this big blob of squish Republicans in the House. We saw a new one present himself to the American public last night, Wisconsin Representative Mike Gallagher. As you saw this kind of shake out in real time, what were you thinking, Alex? Yeah, the, the Mike Gallagher vote was incredibly surprising. Uh, and, you know, he, he released a statement basically saying, well, we can't start the, uh, we, we can't weaponize the impeachment process because the Democrats will do that if they get power. Well, where has Mike been for the last five years? The Democrats have already weaponized the impeachment process. They impeached President Trump twice over hoaxes. And we brought forward a resolution to impeach Mayorkas over an invasion happening in our country. That is not the weaponization of impeachment. That is the reason we have the impeachment process. Uh, Mayorkas is aiding and abetting an invasion into our country, and uh, Mike Gallagher just saved him. And that surprised everybody. I was getting calls from Hill members, from chairmen on the Hill, saying, can't believe this guy just did this. He didn't tell us he was going to do this. And, you know, he didn't tell anybody until about 6.30, the night of the vote. And he totally tanked it, put everybody in a bad spot, and uh, it's really a disgrace what he did. And I think we're going to come out to, to find the fact that uh, he, he didn't do that vote out of principle, and probably it happened because of a backroom deal that he made with my orchid to benefit one of his donors. And when you look at some of the things that – 
you know, Representative Gallagher, sit, he sits on the CCP Oversight Committee. Very troublesome when you talk about the situation at the border, the the amount of military age fighting single Chinese males that have come across this border over the course of the last couple of years. He also was a scheduled speaker at the World Economic Forum this year. He was supposed to be heading out there with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, but after receiving some flack online, he canceled at the last minute. He blamed it on some procedural stuff that was going on in the House of Representatives. But just to see him on that roster kind of raised some red flags to me. This is someone that has been floated as a potential Senate replacement for Ron John when his career is over in, in the upper chamber. And, and when you see this kind of behavior for someone who's relatively new in the House of Representatives, this has to raise some big red flags for America first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike Gallagher has presented many red flags over the course of his time in Congress, and I think a lot of people didn't pay attention to him because he was kind of irrelevant. But he got a big responsibility when uh, Speaker McCarthy at the time appointed him to be the head of the Committee to Investigate China. And I thought he was going to take that role seriously. It's evident that he used that role to probably sell out and uh, get in bed with some of these uh, CCP-friendly organizations like the WEF. And, you know, his vote yesterday to defend Mayorkas uh, was a complete win for the CCP. The CCP has been sending fentanyl into our country for years, uh, killing thousands and thousands of Americans. And as you mentioned, they're sending military-aged males through our southern and northern borders to invade our country. And so him doing that shows that he is unfit to serve as the chairman of that committee. And I call on Speaker Johnson to remove him. I believe that uh, House Republicans are also having conversations uh, with Speaker Johnson privately about that matter. Uh, but he, he failed the American people and failed the Republican Party with what he did yesterday. And whatever respect he had within the conference is now gone. When you talk about some of the plausible solutions we usually have when we start to see these situations develop, especially with people who have always kind of voted with America first and now over the course of time has slowly seen himself fall into the uniparty guys, what do you think some of the comprehensive solutions towards some of these now squish Republicans uh, do you think uh, you see on the horizon in regards to people like Mike Gallagher and some of the other Republicans who, who display the same behaviors? Well, I'll say this. Uh, during the 2022 midterm cycle, I led the effort to, in, uh, to to remove all 10 of the rhinos that voted to impeach President Trump. We defeated all of them, uh, but one in the primary. So we removed nine of the 10 rhinos that voted to impeach Trump. And uh, we get replaced them with some great guys. Russell Fry is a phenomenal member from South Carolina. He's doing a great job. Yep. Uh, he, replaced, uh, he replaced impeachment rhino uh, Tom Rice, uh, Harriet Hageman, uh, Corey Mills. Uh, is, is a new member. He's America, totally America first. Um, but, you know, we had to get rid of these people. These people are a drag on our party and they put our, our country last. And if you decide that you want to join the likes of Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, which Adam, uh, which Mike Gallagher uh, just did, well, I think he's going to probably be removed by his voters. And uh, you, I've, I've heard that uh, Representative Mark Green is calling for him to be primary. And a lot of different representatives are calling for him to be primary. And I think he's going to have a serious problem. I think he's going to have a serious problem, too. And I think people like this in the Republican House, especially in this crucial time for our country, should see the writing on the wall. All right, Alex, I do want to segue a little bit. You know, there was some big news last night. We saw... I guess you could say this is a, one of the biggest upsets in the history of probably modern politics when it comes to primary season. And although President Trump wasn't on the ballot in the state of Nevada because he's participating in the caucus where all the 
GOP primary delegates lie, we saw Nikki Haley lose to none of the above. And <laughs> I mean, listen, we all knew this was a fake primary. We all knew exactly what the deep state and, and big tech and the media corporations were doing, trying to prop her up as a viable candidate. You know, we saw what Saturday Night Live did, trying to continue to condition that entire boomer audience to just say like, oh, well, maybe she is relevant if they're going to put her in every way, shape or form in front of our faces. And then you see this go down last night. This had to be more than laughable for you. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was absolutely hilarious. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it. I truly wasn't. Uh, I didn't think that Nikki was going to run away with it, but I also didn't think she was going to get clobbered by 30 points. Uh, but I knew she was going to have a problem. I was actually in Las Vegas for shock show uh, during New Hampshire. And right after New Hampshire, Nikki Birdbrand gets on stage and basically declares victory after losing by nearly 20 points in New Hampshire. She's the only person who gives victory speeches after losing by double digits. <laughs> She's a bizarre individual. But she went on to South Carolina, she said, after New Hampshire, totally ignoring the fact that the great state of Nevada has a right to vote in this process as well. And so she disrespected the great people of Nevada, and they held her accountable for that disrespect uh, you know, yesterday in, in a landslide defeat. Uh, and I don't know how Nikki Haley could continue forward. She's, she's facing embarrassing defeat after embarrassing defeat, and she will lose by 30 points uh, when the great patriots of South Carolina turn out for President Trump uh, at the end of this month. And so I don't know what her game plan is. It's just evidence. I believe that she's just trying to sabotage President Trump at this point. There's no other explanation why she's staying in this race and wasting resources and wasting time when we should be united against Joe Biden. Uh, but the, the Republican voters are firmly against her. And, uh, you know, if she likes being embarrassed, maybe that's something that turns her on. But I think it's bizarre. No, it's certainly, it is weird the way that this whole thing goes down. And then when you see House Republicans rallying around President Trump after the ruling from the D.C. appellate court yesterday in regards to presidential immunity, where they essentially want to say, and I'm speaking outside the guise of legalese here, once an insurrectionist, always an insurrectionist. So if President Trump had presidential immunity on January 6th, people could make a case against him as citizen Trump anytime after he's left office. This, this is just another sham, essentially a bullshit way that they're trying to go after him in the witch hunt fashion. When you see the way that some of these court cases are, are setting up, or in, in a lot of instances, falling apart, do you think that any of these things are going to have any effect on him throughout the rest of the primary season and into the general election uh i'm i'm president trump personally absolutely not president trump is a fearless leader and uh you know he, he they call him teflon don for a reason the guy knows how to take punches and and he punches back he punches back very hard and uh he's a political broad the likes of which we have never seen in our country in at least modern history uh so i have no uh worries about him but i do have a worries for our country what the democrats are doing is incredibly dangerous and wrong uh you know the the, the two Two of the three appellate court judges were appointed by Joe Biden in the last year and a half. So Biden picked these people because he knew that they would help advance this witch hunt against President Trump. And so it's our hope that the Supreme Court does the right thing. Uh, presidential immunity is an important thing that if we don't have, a, a, you know, if our presidents don't have that, that's going to uh, lead to a massive problem in the future. And, you know, if they rule against Trump, well, when President Trump's back in the White House, I hope that we go after Biden for aiding and abetting this invasion. I hope that we go after Obama for killing Americans in drone strikes uh, in the Middle East. Uh, there's a lot that we can go after uh, the predecessors for, uh, you know, if they want to play that way. But 
you know, it's a disgrace that we even have to have this conversation. We should be focused on the campaign instead of the court cases. Uh, but, you know, the American people see through it. And that's why the latest NBC News poll has President Trump up five points nationally and in every single swing state. No, it's the absolute truth. And then when you look at some of the polls that uh, a lot of, I guess, fake conservatives have been using for a greater part of at least the last year since this legal stuff really ramped up. And that's if you would continue to support President Trump, even if he's convicted, you saw potentially what would be double digit margins all the way down to within the margin of error now as the American public is starting to get their eyes open where every single time one of these cases come out, it's like a blockbuster, Trump is finished, this, that, and the other thing. And then you see all the improprieties with the judges, with the attorneys, with the DAs, with every single person involved trying to commit these witch huts against them. And, and the Democrats can't get out of their own way in regards to falling apart over this stuff almost in real time. No, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, let's just say that their court cases against President Trump and, you know, their trial in the media. That's a, not only do they want court trials, they want trial by the media. They want to, you know, attack his character and, and ruin his reputation to the American public. And the American public doesn't buy it. And, you know, the Democrats have tried to make uh, President Trump is a threat to democracy, the cornerstone of the 2024 campaign. And that message is not landing. You know, the NBC News poll should terrify the Democrats because President Trump beats him at every single issue. Immigration, economy, foreign policy, bing, 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 bing. But what's also neck and neck, which is basically even, is who's better to protect democracy? I think it's 51 Biden that said and 49 Trump. They're neck and neck because the American people know that what he's doing to Trump is a threat to democracy. It's a threat to our way of uh, life and a threat to our system. And so uh, it's, it's neck and neck. Biden is the real threat to democracy. And I believe that that poll will flip towards the end of this election cycle where they believe that President Trump is the best person to protect our system uh, because he is. And the American people are waking up and people like Elon Musk are now setting light on what's happening in President Trump and saying it's wrong. You can't be any more off base than than you know some of these commentators have been, Alex, and and then there's you who just puts your head down and runs right through the fake news narrative and brings it straight up for our listenership here on Steak for Breakfast. Always a pleasure sitting down with you on our show today. We're going to live link X strategies in the show description today. Anything else you got, or or anywhere that anybody could find you on social media? Yeah, you can just find me at Alex Bruzewitz on all platforms, and we're having a great time, man. And. Uh, you know, let's just say I'm kind of glad that we had a primary process because uh, it brought people like us together. And you guys have been doing a, such a fantastic job and you've really grown your uh, listener uh, and your viewership during this process because of your loyalty and your commitment to the America First movement. So keep up the great work and uh, you'll always have a friend uh, in me. Hey, listen, all that hard work you did during the last primary cycle brought great guests and congressmen like Corey Mills, who you alluded to, who was on our first edition of the show today, as you lead us in on our second edition of Steak for Breakfast. This is the CEO of X Strategies LLC, Mr. Alex Brucewitz. Thanks for joining us on the show. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. Well, a day late, but definitely not a dollar short. What do you think, Noah? We're doing it. We're going to make it work. It's going to happen. If you enjoyed these two episodes of the podcast and want to hear the now nearly 330 other editions of the show, we've said it several times throughout the podcast today, you best be following us across every downloadable podcasting platform. That's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or iHeartRadio. Hit the plus button, hit the follow button, make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, find us on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down and sharing with us today. Congressman Corey Mills, Congressman Tim Burchett, country recording superstar, 
Alexis Wilkins, and conservative consultant Alex Brusewitz. You guys all de- definitely helped make steak great again. Guys, we only get a day off between now and Friday, but don't worry, we'll be back with two more all-new editions of the show, and we're set to host Colonel Rob Madness, the lovely Christina Bob, Rep. Matt Rosendale will be here as well. We might have a big announcement for our listenership. Kingsley, Wilson, and Paul Ingracia. So on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thursday, and we'll see you soon. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 I have exercise the demons this house is clear <laughs>